Welcome back, everybody. It's another one more holy cow episode of the Mindful CEO. <laughs> woohoo, woohoo! What's up, Aaron? What's up, buddy? Um, happy holidays to you. Indeed. We are um, deep. Uh, we're going to get deep here today about Ikigai. Ikigai. We mentioned it last time, and um, we're fulfilling on that promise this time. So yeah, well, I don't know how deep. We'll, we'll see how deep we wind up getting because I think Ikigai <laughs> that well for Ikigai is deep and long, and I don't, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll give it a broad stroke, we'll but the depth is going to come from we'll your, your, you listening to this, the depth is going to come from your willingness to inquire Ooh. and take this further. Ooh. Don't just listen to this for entertainment. I know we're entertaining, but there's an opportunity in here. <laughs> Do you know that? What? That we're entertaining. Do you know that? I know that because okay. I'm entertained every time we talk. And when okay, I listen back true. sometimes. That's true. I am pretty entertained. That's right. Bust okay. me up. Yeah. At least we're entertaining ourselves. <laughs> Right. That's right. Who's that? Oh, I was listening to Rick Rubin and um, right. And we should uh, do a podcast about that sometime. By the way, Sorry. yeah, definitely. Create it back. Um, yeah, it's all mumbling. It's everything that we've worked on for a long time. But the thing he talks about is, you know, the audience comes last. Mm, love that. In any creative act, the audience comes last. You do wow. it, and this very much is very much an audience last phenomena uh for us i mean given for us yeah that we finally got up to eight of you out there um listening so um that is funny we're doing good at chasing people away um but yeah i'm always amused that's so good i love it well (laughs) uh um i mean i think you brought up ikigai last week Did, did you do you remember what originally i don't remember the context in which we brought it up i mean you know for me yeah, uh, I've been, you know, this, uh, I don't know where the mumble or the pathway between that creative act that we just talked about and Nikki guy is, but it's in here for sure. Yeah. I, you I know, that cathedrals in here. Do you see the under on the screen? I'm sharing my screen for those of you watching, but. Uh, it says Ikigai. And then it says a Japanese concept, meaning a reason for being, which to me just comes back to cathedral, right? Cathedral building, like. Totally. You know? Yeah. And I don't know if we had it in that context, but yes. Yeah, so that's, um, and then for those of you listening, I do recommend that you either go Google Ikigai and find the Venn diagram, just because yep. a Venn diagrams are the greatest things. Love Venn diagrams. Love Venn diagrams. Do you know anyone who doesn't? I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I geek out on it more than most. So I don't, I think people are nonplussed by them or noncommittal. I think they're kind to them. Okay. I don't know that they're like obsessed with them. Yeah, I love them. I just think, and the more creative, at any rate, there's a Venn diagram of Ikigai. Yeah. And the important part about Ikigai is it's, uh, or one of the things that I enjoy about it is that it's so accessible because of this kind of a Venn diagram, this kind of explanation, this kind of yeah. uh, visual demonstration of what it means to have a the meaning, the reason for being. And it's, the intersection of a lot of cool shit. So, I mean. Definitely an expansion on how we've talked about mindful and CEO, that these two worlds of mindfulness and business, CEO business, um, are, are sort of expanded, I think, in this conversation of Ikigai. Because your reason, let, let, maybe let's distinguish the four circles in the Venn diagram. Okay. There's what we love. So, you know you doing your reason for being should include what you love 
And I think a lot of times and we could focus on the madness here too, but I think a lot of times we get into business and we, we don't do what we haven't brought what we love to our work, to our business. So first circle is what we love. <clears throat> Second circle, uh, if I'm going uh, left to right here, what we're good at, what we're good at. Uh, again, another thing that's like sometimes that gets left behind, right? Our genetic encoding, like we we sort of don't bring what we're good at to our work. We we mm-hmm. do what we think we're supposed to do or what all the experts and gurus say we're supposed to do. But we don't think about how do I incorporate what I'm good at into uh, my business. Third circle, what can we be paid for? What can we be paid for? And I, I tend to think of that as like, a, you know, is there um, – a need that's being met is there is there an exchange of a dollar for the thing you're offering what can we be paid for and then the the fourth circle is what does the world need um so what say I mean, you about that yeah well i mean I, I, and this diagram has the overlaps in yeah. those four so those four are the overall whenever you you may not find it in the diagram it's the extra stuff on this one yeah um but for sure, what you love, what you're good at, what you what you can be paid for, and what the world needs, in the center of that, where those overlap, the Japanese have distinguished that as ikigai, or that is now that is your reason for being. It's a invented filter, an invented context, an invented paradigm yep. for one to live in, where you are seeking and nurturing and cultivating and growing the center of those four things where those four things intersect. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's brilliant in terms of, well, first of all, it's brilliant in terms of the four things it connects. Yeah. And then um, that it, it gives you a framework to begin to look and see what your is what you're up to the right path. I don't really like right path. Um, but yeah. is does it speak to you? Does it call to you? Is it fruitful? Is it worth pursuing? Yeah. You, know, you can use this as a framework to say, okay, well, do I love it? Does the world need it? Right. Can I be paid for it? Yeah. Am I any good at it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then if you, if the answer is yes, or you're going to make the answer yes, because there are things that you may not be good at now that you could get good at. And yeah. Right. You know, who said that the world needed an iPad, you know, or an iPhone or anything before yeah. someone said, I'm going to make the world know they need this. <laughs> right. Right, right. 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 So, I mean, there are things you can um, hmm. develop. I like the idea too, of bringing, <clears throat> you know, if you were to look at the, I think, so I've known about Ikigai for some years now. And um, I think how I related to it was intellectually like, okay, let me journal about and whiteboard what I'm good at. And let me think about and strategize what the world needs and how I can get paid for that. And it's very, um, it's very intellectual. I could read a book about it. Let me go get, you know, what's his face's book about a hundred million dollar offers, mm-hmm. you know, Alex Hermosi. And so there was very much a, an, an intellectual engaging of, of how do I do this? I think um, in light of mindfulness. And as I've been on this path lately of, um, moving to my heart, I think it'd be interesting to bring mindfulness to each of these circles, you know, like rather than think, rather than whiteboard, what do I love to feel into the spaces of things you love to, to feel into your intuition about what the world needs. 
and listen for that still small voice that sort of prompts you and and whispers to you and nudges you rather than trying to get all you know strategic about it get mindful about it Mm. that's interesting chris i i um you know that there is the there is a time for strategy and there's a time for quiet right there's a time for mindfulness uh it's interesting because um I just, a whole bunch of things just sort of began to connect. So you could say, okay, if I'm going to connect that to everything that I'm about to create in terms of Ikigai, um, you know, this podcast and our work together and what we're building and the way we're bouncing ideas off each other and growing various things and seeing where they head is very much inside it. I don't know if I would say an expression of Ikigai. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, um, yeah, it's good because I like it. I like specifically a Japanese concept meaning a reason for being, mm-hmm. which is really, really, really fucking different than the reason for being. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is an expression of an Ikigai. Mm-hmm. This podcast, what we're doing together, our work, the exploration of mindfulness, the intersection of yeah. mindfulness and productivity and mindfulness and CEO business, but really business in a very broad sense that, you know, you're the CEO of your family where you are, um, is an ikigai. You know, it becomes that way. And to then, um, pray prop, you know, give props to honor, pay attention to the various aspects Mm -hmm. of it. Right. Like I think you and I, are in, we love talking to each other, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. good at talking to each other. Yeah. Right. Um, we suspect there's some aspects of this could, that can be monetized. I mean, you know, certainly people get paid to talk to each other. There's a model for podcasts and there's a model for programs and model for various things yep. that exist uh, already. So you could be paid for it. And then does the world need it? Well, we do think that there's a conversation needed regarding mindfulness and 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 keeping that present but does the world recognize it and you know those kinds of things are worth weighing all the time yeah it's not really where i was initially going with when i broke in um but there's that space of we're constantly looking at those four things to look to see is this you know does it does this make sense to continue and which direction should we follow it mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah um yeah i love that i was uh in terms of what direction we should follow it and you were bringing up quieting and seeing listening to the quiet voice mm-hmm. and seeing what the quiet voice has to say about it versus mm-hmm. you know a corporate boardroom where you're mm-hmm. everyone's throwing out ideas which is neither is better than any other frankly it's not a value judgment it's just yeah. Different, especially when one's getting to what you love and yeah. your passion. It's worthwhile to quiet. Um, I was, uh forgot how I got here. Hang on. Uh, I started, oh, I was on a podcast with um, Joshua Smith, who's a real estate coach, pretty bold guy. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, straight shooter, very yeah. empowering, good you know, 
no fluff, no bullshit, and very. Uh, I, I just I really like his orientation, his work. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then he came out and named the podcast that I was on. He titled it. I was just on it, and he titled it uh, "Mastering the Inner Game hmm. of Real Estate." And out of everything we had talked about, that's what he came up with. And I thought, okay, that's dynamite. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect way to articulate what I'm committed to in that domain, even in this domain that we're working on. You know, mindfulness is all the inner game. That's Mm -hmm. all the inner game. And I thought about it, right? I was like, okay, that's a really good way to promote that. And then I had the book, The Inner Game of Tennis, in the back of my head for a long time. Have you ever heard the inner game of tennis? Mm-mm. It's a seventies. Is it like the Zen of motorcycle maintenance? No, it's it, it's actually a tennis instructor who okay. really did discover for himself the most efficient and best way to coach people was to not coach them on hmm. solely their actions, but really on getting their mind out of the game and let their oh. body take over. Wow. And um, and it became something of a cult uh, business book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is something that, yeah, it still is something of a cult business book. I'm surprised you haven't heard for it. And I think less of you for never having heard of it. <laughs> um, uh, but I thought, okay, well, it's time to read that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I followed that muse, right? The thought. It's time to read that, right? I was like, okay, if I'm going to really rebrand or continually develop the brand of the Realtor's Edge of that work that I'm doing with Realtors as mastering the inner game of real estate, which is an icky guy for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a f- more focused in. I love it. I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. The world fucking needs it. Yeah. And I could be paid for it. Yeah. There's not even a whole lot of competition in the space. Mm. Most of the competition is in the strategy space. Yep. Yep. Not in the inner game space. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's hot. So I started listening to the um, inner game of tennis. Oh my God. Just, I, <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, I'm waiting. You were listening to something magic coming. No, it's just my synapses are like, dude. A little too much acid in your teens. Here's your payback time. Um, I started listening to the inner game of tennis. And one of the, the, the first principle of the inner game, the first principle is to bring non-judgmental awareness to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was like, oh, well, fuck. You know, this is, you know, like the universe has me on a path. Right. That's yeah. That's the first principle of mindfulness. I mean, it's just there's no way that I get into all of this in a more perfect wow. domino wow. effect kind of way. You know, like if you have, wow. you know. When did you read the inner game of tennis? When did you read? That? I'm reading it now. I've never read it. I've oh, you never read it before. I started it last. I started it this weekend, and um, but I've I've heard of it, and I've you know it's been on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to read. And then I was listening to Rick Rubin about the creative act about, and the thing that got me to stop and listen to it was in the creative act. He talks about, um, he doesn't say it like following the muse. He says it like, 
whatever, but like honoring the little voice. You said something about getting quiet and this whole thing got triggered over here. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we have, I, I, for a while back, sometime this year, um, I started practicing honoring my intuition. And what I mean is mm. if I have a thought, oh, I should go pick that up, you know, like go back and get something I forgot in the house. Mm. My natural reaction is fuck it. I'll get it later. Mm. I'll do it later. I don't need to do it. You know, I'll pick it up. And invariably takes me more time, costs me more money, whatever. It's a problem, right? And I had never heard it like that's my intuition speaking, like that's my muse speaking, like that's guidance from the universe speaking. I've heard it like a million, just a thought. <laughs> yeah, just a thought, right. But I notice as I start honoring it as a muse, as the universe, as a, hmm. a directive from the universe, as, a, as my source telling, directing me. Right. I become more efficient. I take say, more time and it starts speaking to me about bigger things. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, or I can hear it speaking. I, it's probably speaking to me the whole time, but I can hear it. It's like a pathway that gets open. Yeah. And um, he was speaking to that. Some I'm saying it yeah. way differently than he says it in the book, but he was speaking to as an artist. That's what you do you follow the, the that voice and somewhere momentarily after that the voice came up like the inner game of tennis and i was like okay well as yeah. i'm driving to olympia download it on audible and started listening to it just to pick it up and then you know i've been listening to it and some point early on in the book he talks about you know how much better his players got when they simply brought non-judgmental awareness to their stroke. Yeah. Instead of, oh, I'm not, I'm reaching it too far back or I'm not following through or it's too low when I mm -hmm. come through, just watching it wow. without judgment yep. and then letting the body naturally fix itself. Mm. And I think that's the nature. And when you brought... This all goes back to you saying, you know, rather than getting in some big strategy session, getting quiet. Yeah. And um, yeah. So that's just that was a million thoughts. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I, I can sense it over here too. Like there's things like, oh yeah, connection. There's lots of connections in this. See, I told I told you and everybody else this would be deep. Like now, if you took this, who you're you listening to this took this, you know. To heart, you there's like all kinds of things that get connected. Uh, one of the things that's coming up for me is um, sometimes when I do Venn diagrams, I'll do them as like um, degrees of overlap. Mm. So like you know, um, there's who how I've done in the past. If you just picture, I'm showing my hands here. There's on one hand, there's who you are, and on the other hand, there's what you do, who I am, and what I do. And when those overlap, and you can you know picture the four circles here, but. <clears throat> When they overlap a little bit, there's a little relief because there's some alignment. There's like, ah, who I am and what I'm doing are are getting closer together. But imagine those circles really like almost being fully overlapped, me representing that who I am and what I'm doing is there's no difference. Who I am and what I'm doing are are exactly aligned, that there's that much alignment. And so if you took this visual of Ikigai, 
and you imagine that these circles could go closer together or further apart would be, um, I think, a representation of of how how enjoyable, how pleasurable, how creative your experience of what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for and what the world needs would be for you. And the game becomes, and this is why I think mindfulness and listening to the still small voice and intuition is, is important here because the more you can lean into how uh, making these overlap perfectly, which is maybe an impossible game, but how do you get these to be so overlapped that there's no separation between them? They just all feel like flow. It it would just be flow. You know, it would just be a Mm -hmm. sense of flow. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, I think that's the, uh, the tuning, the, um, going back and looking to see, you know, okay, all four of these elements are present. How do I cultivate them? How do I nurture them? How do I develop them into being larger parts of what I'm up to and it, and giving myself more over to it more fully. Yeah. I I think it's aligned with the Buddhist saying that, you know, the Buddha said, uh, a true master, there's no separation between their work and their play. Ah, nice. Yeah. That's the that's the idea mm-hmm. of this is that there's just you are Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you are walking a path. I just humor me for a second. Scroll down. I want to finish I, you got on the screen what the explanation of this that he explains, let's see, Noriyuki. Nakanishi of Osaka University explains that Ikigai was originally conceived as something which gives individuals a sense of a life worth living. Mm. (laughs) It is not necessarily related to economic status. Ikigai is personal. It establishes a unique mental world in which the individual can feel at ease. Mm. Love that. Um, Yeah, and then there's this is a fab. What I don't know I'll, what learning brief is, but I'll link this up in the show notes. The, the article, it, great. So this is just a free blog. This is a public blog. It's not behind a paywall. Yep. Great. Yeah, no, yeah, just a just a free blog I found searching Ikigai. Okay, great. Oh, good. I'd love to see this. This is yeah. This is great. This would be really useful, especially you know. So I I think yeah. Chris, in terms of um. You know, the the mindful CEO and the brand and our mission and what we're up to. I do think there's, you know, that's the aspect of CEOing, mm-hmm. right, that we're interested in is that inner game, you know. And I think, um, let me just ask you, because it, it, given you n- never heard of the book, The Inner Game of Tennis, if I said the inner game of being a CEO or the inner game of C- real estate mastering the inner game yeah what would that bring up for you i i hear self mastery i hear mindset i hear um um uh the person the personal stuff versus the strategic stuff i mean okay it just uh, it calls that up you know it's it calls it up for me because i've heard of the book i just wasn't sure how much how much knowing about the book's existence is determining how that gets heard. And apparently in this yeah. focus group of you, 
right, right. <laughs> it calls it up anyway, right? So. I, I think people like us have heard, you know, understand things like this. I Other think like the inner game, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's true. And I think that's a good, you know, Seth Godin kind of filter, yeah. right? Like people like us would know what an inner game is. And that's a calling for, that's yeah. would call them to it. And it makes it easy because people that, yeah. you know, it's good. I, I wonder how little self-awareness you would have to not know what the, what it means. Right. Right. right? I, that sounds awfully hoity-toity and judgmental for me to say it that way, but I do wonder, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, I also like that there's a um, there's a piece in here that uh, it is to your point, like is our ikigai in this thing we're creating, where uh, the thing that we love is the inner game. Like I love the inner game. It's this this mindful CEO is not really about like how do you you know court VC capital or how do you um, you know it's not it's not that side of that's I don't yeah. love that. I love this. Right. And um we should probably rebrand our show and our, our whole thing again to like the inner game. <laughs> should just well, let's rebrand well, it again. Well it could be the mindful CEO mastering the inner game. Yeah, of, yeah. Fine. Yeah. Okay, fine, fine. We'll just make it a tagline. We won't rebrand. Right. I don't think you have oh, yeah, well, I'm done rebranding. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually really like that as a as a direction, not a destination, but a direction yeah, of like exactly. where we're headed. Like we're yeah, and it, gave, it gave me a whole new life on, uh, you know, my Realtors Edge course and the app. I was like, okay, it's focus. And that wouldn't have happened had I not, this is a perfect example of the way mumbling turns into the next step. You know, I don't take on promoting the course and I don't do all that. I don't get on Josh Smith's Joshua Smith show. He right. doesn't get to rebrand it that way. I go, I don't, all of it is just, you yeah. know, a happy accident yeah. of the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then the, one of the next things here is, um, I'm just putting it out there because one of the things I'm creating is, uh, speaking to Mel Robbins. I, I've talked about this before on the show, right? Yeah. Nice. If any of my six listeners know Mel, right. I want, I would love an introduction. I really, you know, not so much for this show. She's got a lot to say about this show, our, this as well, but well, I, I just, um, in the Realtor's Edge, the yeah. training program, we we watched this video of her talking about manifestation mm -hmm. and um, have been training people in that mm -hmm. for three years. And it's been using that as a tool to train people in manifestation and the power of it and the wow. nature of it and how one goes about it and the timeline of it and all the different aspects of it. And um you know, every time I watch it, I cry. And it's just so impactful about her story about it. And, um, but it really is, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a story of holding an intention with no timeline and being flat footed that it'll be fulfilled mm -hmm. and taking the, uh, taking the next action that presents itself, whether you feel like it or not, mm whether you're scared to or not yeah. and taking the next action with no attachment yeah. to that action produces the end goal. It's simply taking that action because it's the next action to take. Mm -hmm. And then when that action is taken, the next thing opens up. Yeah. And hmm. it's a demonstration of once you 
ask for it. You don't have to worry about it's being delivered. It's yeah. on its way. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know why the thought this morning came into my head about um, getting on the boat. You know, the story about the flood, the guy that dies in the flood. Yeah. Right. Where he's asking for help. God, yeah. He's asking God for help. And the, Someone comes, if those of you haven't heard it, someone comes to the door and says, hey, you got to leave. There's a flood coming. And he says, no, God will save me. And next thing, the rains come and the town starts flooding and a boat comes by and says, hey, man, get on the boat. We'll take you to safety. And he says, no, God will save me. And then the floods keep coming and he's on the roof and they send a helicopter. And he's like, get in the helicopter. He said, no, God will save me. And next thing you know, the guy dies in the flood and he gets to heaven. He talks to God and says, what happened? I thought you were going to save me. And God says, are you kidding? I sent you a cop. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. And, um, you know, getting on the boat is very, very much in line with listening to the muse. You know, it's, and maybe you don't listen to the cop. Okay. I get it. You want to hang in there and wait for the right thing, but Get on the damn boat, you know. Yeah. You know, I, you um, mm-hmm. and getting on the boat is really taking that next step, mm-hmm. even if you you just can't wait for the end result. Yeah, you know yeah. the the boat is the the boat is the next step. Yeah, you know they sent you a boat. Um, reminds me of that Rumi quote. Right. That would that that what you're seeking is seeking you. Yeah. There's the great. I I, I haven't heard that, but that's great. Oh, We're all full of things each other haven't heard today. So many places we could go. I know. This all right. Fun, um, this would be a fun series to do in the Mindful CEO on Ikigai and breaking yeah. it down. Um, or even a even a, a more of a a coaching um session where there's a, a series where there's a chance for people to really dig into this for themselves but yeah to really play with it you know um play with it, yeah and the um I especially appreciate this particular uh uh illustration of it because it's got it's got four um not really pitfalls but the four places where something would be missing yeah if you didn't have all of it together yeah you know like if you have good at it love at love it the world needs it but not pay Right. Right. It it leaves you happy and full, but mm. there's no pay, which is fine. You yeah, can yeah, still yeah. do that. Right. Or if you're in the world of you love it, you're good at it and get paid for it, but the world doesn't need it. You know, you're satisfied, mm. but you're not making an impact on a positive impact on the world. So there's all the different pieces. And then to be responsible for the way that if anything's missing, something's missing. Yeah. Right. That leaves it from being a complete picture of what is possible in terms of your really loving your life and loving the difference that you're here to make. It could be the perfect Venn diagram. I, I love this Venn diagram. <laughs> it could be the I, perfect I, one. I really do appreciate. No, there's there's the one about throw your hands up in the air, which is DJs <laughs> and uh, bank robbers. And uh, I, think, I saw that this past week. Was that because yeah. you, you did you post that? I did not, but I love that one. It's not recently. Um, yeah, there's, but this is a e- enormously useful yeah. diagram. Um, 
you know, that thing about no positive impact on the world. This morning, I, the the meditation, the gratitude meditation was appreciating ourselves. And, um, you know, every time I do one of these gratitude, every day when I do them. Yeah. I, first, one of the things that always comes to my mind is, okay, what about all the people this isn't applicable for? And I don't I'm, I don't know if I'm just shooting holes in the idea of it or I'm looking for ways to shoot myself down, which I have no doubt that I am, but what I don't know, I'm not clear about my attachment to any of that. And, um, but one of the things that showed up in the space of the meditation where I, I wasn't, I didn't know it was going to go there um, was in acknowledging and being grateful and appreciating ourselves, appreciating the difference we make in the world. You know, appreciating who that you, Chris, make a difference in the world. You make a difference for me. You make a difference for Jenny. You make a difference for your kids. You, you know, and I don't think we, first, I don't think we take time to really acknowledge and appreciate that we are people that other people are grateful for. That's good, yeah. And it got me thinking, you know, that in this space of satisfaction of no positive difference between me and the world, um, you know, we're talking about that thing about not how self-aware would, how unself-aware would you have to be? I'm curious about the number of people that don't have the experience that they make a difference. They can't get to the experience of they, they make a difference. I, I'm, I don't walk around in the experience of I make a difference. Sure. But I, but it just takes me being quiet and yeah. and noticing that mm. where I do. So it's not that I, I don't. Mm. But yeah. how common do you think it is that people can't get themselves to the difference they make? Very common in the day to day life of someone. <clears throat> not not that they. Hang on, that they can't get there. I, I'm clear they're not there. I'm clear they don't walk around there. I don't walk around there. But it, and I have practiced for years, so I don't think it takes me very long to get in the presence of the difference I make. But how common is it that people couldn't, if they slow down to get there, couldn't get in the presence of the difference they make? Do you still think that's really common? I mean, my brain goes into all the nuance because I'm like, if we flop flop down a bell curve here and I thought, you know, the major early and late majority kind of living, I'll just say unconscious living in a place where, um, you know, um, they're living in the story they've been told they're living in the programming they grew up in. They're living like it can be really, I think it can be really hard for people. I, I don't, how would I have gotten there? Without the landmark form, I don't know, like uncollapsing these circles. I mean, I'm living in a story called, you know, my dad doesn't love me. And I have all kinds of evidence I've collected for, you know. No, it's true. I, I, I think I we can get it. Definitely not arguing it, right? Uh, I, I'm actually authentically curious. And it's true. I mean, I, you know, I got whatever, 28 years of, yeah, you know, half, really half my life on, um, right. uh, inside that kind of self-awareness is I guess the bucket that we could throw that into. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's, 
and you know I, most of my community I don't you know people like me hang out with people like me so I, I don't hang out with a lot of people that are just commit I don't everyone I know isn't a graduate but I certainly don't hang out with people that are so yeah. wrapped up in whatever that they couldn't get there so I'm just curious and yeah. you know it, it, it's it certainly on that what the world needs mm. you know section of the pie in terms of our mission and what we're up to is to bring that sense. Cause I think that it's then just really a question of people don't slow down enough to get themselves there, to allow themselves to be there. Um, You know, I mean, that's something really to, for me that I experience being really grateful for is that I have done all that work and separated all those things and uncollapsed those things. And, um, I do think there's a difference between, I mean, to your point, your question, I, for I took the landmark form 20 years ago, 20 years ago. So that I intellectually knew that I had value, that I made a difference. Um, and if I slowed down enough, I could have a moment, a glimpse mm. of it. I could experience it for a moment, but then, but then snap out of it. Oh, I got work to do. And I'm right back into strategy and an outward approach to things, not an inward approach to things in the last year or two. And and really in the last, I think, since you gave me these seven tenets of mindfulness and I decided to walk with them on the, the hills behind my house, really in the last six months, have I been in a space where my half my time in a day is intentionally mindfully in the spaces of making a difference and and appreciating all that I have and the other half of my day probably being like trying not to get pulled into, you know, some external conversation. Like experientially only in the last six months do I feel like I've moved the proportion of my day into a space of experiencing it for lengths yeah. of time, you know? That's a different way. My My experience of my occurring world is so different having developed that muscle, developed, developing that awareness. Yeah. Well, you just said, I mean, what you just said, Chris, I think is something that mostly it's my experiences. It's most easily accessible through doing the forum. Um, But that there's an occurring world. Most, almost nobody outside of the people we know that are graduates have an occurring world. There's no such thing as an occurring world for it's people. It's the world, yeah. It's the world. I, and we don't ever question right. that. You and I haven't pretended that the <laughs> we haven't pretended that the world is whatever the world is in 20 years. We haven't lived like that's anything more than just the way that occurs for me. Now it shows up, it occurs for me that way. And and I saw Rob Henry uh boosted you. And the event, did you, yeah. you used to see that, right? Yeah. And yeah. Rob said this thing once, and I can't remember if Rob said that I said it or Rob just said it. It, you know, I can't remember how that came up, but in my mind, it looks like he said it. And that was, you know, that we don't control our first thought, but we can, but we do have control over what we say after that. Mm-hmm. That the world occurs one particular way. Yeah. You don't have any control over the way the world occurs. Yeah. Initially. Yeah. But we have everything to say about 
how we're going to allow it to occur after we notice it. Mm. And, mm. you know, I think that without that, without that, without that recognition that it's going to show up some way. Yeah. Or it's not going to show up at all, in which case we don't do anything about it. Right. Right. Which is where mindfulness also has an enormous value of wonder and contemplation and quieting down so we can notice more Mm -hmm. that's one of the major advantages of a mindful practice is that you notice things and then coming at it with a beginner's mind and wonder there's nothing but an occurring world is like oh look that's how that looks (laughs) right Um, but once you begin to open up and open up and you notice more and more, you don't, you know, in the day to day things show up and you don't have any control about how they show up. Right. They just show up. Show up. Yeah. But you have everything to say about everything that happens after it shows up that way. Yeah. Right. Right. And mm. I think with, without that kind of skill. Yeah. Yeah. That's the inner think, game, man. Yeah. I think Ikigai becomes, some business strategy. I think it becomes some tool Uh, to work out and figure out how to maximize the utility of, you know, like a very tight container as opposed to an open, okay, I'm going to notice what's there. Good. That's freaking awesome, man. God, that's, that's the inner game. Yeah, that's that inner game, and I and I take it for granted because I I I've been in conversations like this for twenty years. Like so, I, I take for granted I, when you ask the question, "How many do you think can actually get here?" And I just I, I actually don't know because it's kind of been the world I've lived in for. Right, that's what I'm curious yeah. about. Yeah, and I've only been in my own experiment about how much more can I experience it on an on a minute by minute basis versus intellectually getting it and then setting, you know, five minutes aside to try to visit it, you know, and then go back to the other, you know, 23 hours and 55 minutes of my day, uh, you know, doing, doing what, but the more I'm getting present to how good it feels to be in a reason for being, Mm -hmm. how good it feels to be in Ikigai. I just want to, I just want to mindfully live in that energy yeah, and I think it takes all it ta- all it takes all it takes is you know awareness and practice. Yeah, that's good. It's good. All right, let's put it, it in there. Hell yeah, that was freaking loved that man. That's that was good. Love perfect perfect Venn diagram. All right, well if you want to play with this, yeah, right? yeah, you do the I'm outro. Ready. You're always way better at the outro than me. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were doing great. Yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, I'll put this in the show notes so you can uh, look at the image and read the, the blog post. But, but I mean, yeah, this is a skill. It is a, the more you practice it, the more you talk about it, the more you, you inquire about it, the, the, the more available it becomes to you. And that's what we do in the mindful CEO community. You know, it is, I would call Aaron, the, the mindful CEO community is sort of this, its own Venn diagram of, Socratic coaching, right? Where there's an opportunity to get coaching around 
the mm-hmm. inner game, but it's not like Chris and Aaron have your answer. It's Socratic coaching. And then with that as an opportunity to sort of be in a sandbox, playing with projects and practices around this, followed by some element of partnership, support, et cetera, for the very important work that you feel like you're here to do in your Ikigai. So, you know, that's what we, that's what we created was a community to incubate and nurture that um, for one another. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go to themindfulceo.com, themindfulceo.com. Click on the link that talks about the community and, um, and go from there. Peace. See you next time, Aaron. Bye.